growing your business is tough, but don't worry, we've got you covered. We interview industry experts on how they've solved their most challenging business problems in SaaS or e-commerce. No fluff, just step-by-step playbooks to help you dominate your market and crush the competition. This is the How We Solve podcast. Here's your host. All right, everybody. Welcome to another How We Solve show. Today, my guest is Aaron Burns. He's a fintech operations enthusiast and founding partner at GoTaymans. Aaron has spent the last decade developing leadership models and technical blueprints for greater morale, performance, culture, and efficiency. And he believes greatness is a habit and not a once in a while thing. And I'm really looking forward to chatting with you because I'm also a total mission, vision, values, company culture nerd, and also a huge habit nerd. So I think we're going to have a lot of stuff to talk about today. That's awesome. Thank you very much. And in terms of the problem that we're solving today, because at how we solve, we always solve stuff. We're talking about how to build trust with your clients and lower attrition rates and basically get tons of referrals. So if you're down, let's, let's dive right in. Okay, absolutely. I really think that the most important thing is relationships. And I have a number of reasons why I believe that. But at the end of the day, building a great relationship with your clients is, to me, the number one most important thing you can do as a, a business owner or an employee or someone as part of a company to build that trust and loyalty with your clients to eventually lead to them referring new customers and being ecstatic about the service that you're providing. Yes, absolutely. Especially in the B2B realm, getting referrals is definitely the name of the game. And I'm curious, what's your best hack or best practice to foster these great relationships with your customers? Absolutely. So I am somewhat of an operations nerd myself too. So I I could probably talk about a million hacks, but I have kind of find tune them to some that I think are the most important. I like to keep things simple. It'll go into a lot of the things on how I like to build trust with my clients and employees and and peers and colleagues. But the number one thing really is honoring your word. I think that the power of the spoken word is extremely important in communicating effectively and building trust with anyone for that matter. And so my number one hack is if you say you're going to do something, you should do it. Now, I understand that things happen and what you may say you could do, for example, let's say you promise a client that you can get them a certain rate at a certain bank and it's all locked in. Two days later, the bank calls you and they tell you, hey, we've changed our mind. Our new compliance and regulatory position says that we have to raise the price and that these products are no longer allowed. You know, in that case, you can't necessarily honor your initial word. But you can honor your word by quickly communicating the changes that occurred and being completely honest about what happened. And what I found is that as long as you honor your word, you can pretty much make positive movement towards any goal that you set. I agree. I think it kind of goes down to the how you do one thing is how you do everything. This is also how I really judge people in terms of you know, if you're sloppy in this area, you're also going to be sloppy in that area. You know, if you don't f- follow up with your word or if you don't s- stick to your word in the small little thing, then you may also screw me over another thing. Absolutely. So this has been like for you know, something I always do my very best to really commit to my word. And I tend to forget stuff. So I'm just very anal about writing stuff down, being super organized. And I have all these crutches, tools in my arsenal to make sure I don't forget stuff and honor my word. And I also think that 
A players don't forget stuff. A players, they don't drop the ball. They can deliberately put the ball down, but then you can communicate and say like, hey, we're just not going to do this. Or I can't do this. I can't do this now, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And I would even say that perhaps instead of crutches, it's really a system off script a little bit. Another hack is though, I, I really believe that there's a system to every individual talent, every individual employee, not every way to get a process done Mm-hmm. fits every person. And I'm a big believer that getting goals done is sort of like GPS. For example, when we get on in our cars now today and we set a GPS and we're going down the street and it reroutes us or we run into some traffic or we, we hit a construction zone. Nonetheless, no matter which path we win, the parties that are using that GPS for the intended destination are going to reach that destination, albeit a different path than they intended. And the real goal, if you're honoring your word and being honest, is the goal that you're setting out to do. And as long as you keep it really simple like that, I feel like that's another little hack of how to really maximize the talent you have with every individual in your company. Hmm. And are you just mindful in terms of how you select people or how do you train people in your company that they, they do this? I am absolutely mindful of how we select potential employees. We are the GOAT and it's... Greatest of all time. (laughs) (laughs) So when we look to hire someone, we kind of have a saying that GOAT is a place for GOATs only. If you don't want to be the greatest at whatever position you may have within the company, that this probably isn't the right place for you because all of our intentions here are to be that. And that's what we strive to be every day. Makes sense. By the way, thinking about like being impeccable with your word. It's a great book called The Four Agreements, and it's about the agreements that you make with yourself. There's four of them that you should absolutely do, and having grain in your being, and the number one is be impeccable with your word. So if you haven't read this, I think you'll you'll enjoy this book. I definitely think I should check that out because I totally agree. I mean, that's also why that's the number one thing I could say as a hack, potentially for anyone that's looking to build trust and also build their business, is that that's the number one thing. And And it really applies to everyone within your company. There's no hierarchy to that. It's a simple truth. And those to me are the the best and easiest principles to learn for up and coming people that, that are looking to really accelerate their business careers or even for companies that are looking to accelerate their revenue. Do you have metrics where you can measure this? For example, net promoter score or the amount of referrals that you're getting or? Absolutely. Throughout my career, there's always some sort of metric that's really monitoring this kind of performance. But for trust specifically, it's a little bit unorthodox. The system I like to use and implement with my staff and my employees or anyone that I'm mentoring for that fact is just really a simple trust scale. It's literally like a spreadsheet. And the exercise goes as this. I want you to consciously tell me who the most important people are in benefiting this business, our clients, and your career. Mm-hmm. That's it. Those are the three things that I, I constantly let everyone know that are the most important thing. It's the company itself, it's you, and it's the clients. And a lot of times the answer to all the problems for the business are, can we satisfy all three of those requirements? So that's basically what I, I would recommend staff to do to really get a better understanding of where they lie. So for example, so let's say, obviously you may not know who the most important people are. That's perfectly fine. I mean, sometimes I don't either. 
But asking that question is the beginning of understanding, are you doing a good job with your word? But if you know it, then you're probably already on a good path to really understanding how well you honor your word. So for example, you come up with 10 people that are the most important people in the company. Maybe it's your clients, maybe it's your direct boss or, or your manager or someone that's in charge of the future of your career. And then you basically put on a scale of 10, you can keep it simple. You can make it complicated. I like to take an individual case-by-case basis on each instance, but you know, in general, it could be a scale of 10. And so for that number one person, where are you as far as trust? Are you maximum trust? Are you medium trust? Are you low trust? Are you negative trust? And then as you map that out, it becomes very evident as an individual what you have to do to increase your trust. And I think as you explore where that trust is missing, it's very easy to understand how to increase it and put more trust into it to help build that relationship with those individuals. And because I I believe it's really based on simple things, I think that anyone can do it. Makes sense. Simplicity is the highest form of sophistication. And how often do you have people run this exercise? I like to provide a lot of tools to everyone that I meet, but I'm not like someone that likes to push it afterwards. So basically, if it works for you, it works. I have other tools, but the name of the game is finding a way for you to understand your own path, much like any other goal. Let's say it was fitness or you wanted to read a thousand books. If you set out for a goal, it's really upon the end user to find the correct path for them, they're the best suited for it. So I just try to give them tools to help them along the way. I'm still, I don't know, maybe old school in this disregard. I think business one-on-one, what you measure will improve. So that's also why in UpCoach, one of my businesses, we actually actually I built UpCoach because I want to have a group habit tracker where I could see a group of people tracking the habits. And if you know, you're not doing the thing you set out to do that I can hold you accountable, we have this positive peer pressure that you can kind of see this if you're doing something or not. Absolutely. So I have a way that I like to fill that in this specific example. So beyond working individually on building your trust as an employee or as an executive or as a business owner or as a person in general, as a company, you should always have goals that are further advancing you towards the vision that you want to achieve. And so by attaching simple tools like this to the folks that want to explore how to become better and become the greatest they can at their position, you can stack real life business objectives right next to them to measure whether or not your team or your performance or your business unit is is meeting the goals that they need to achieve. At the end of the day, every business should also have a simple set of metrics they know as to whether they're doing a good job or not. Are they hitting the mark or not? For most people, at the simplest value is, are they making money or not? And with the business metrics, those usually tell me how the trust metrics are working, basically, right? For example, attrition. If we have a very, very low attrition level, I know that the staff is impeccable with their work. I just know that. I know that we're not losing clients because we are doing what we're saying we're going to do. And we're doing a good job. And now I know we can't do everything and and some things are out of our control. But nonetheless, there's no negative feedback. There's no complaints. There's no emails or, or escalations. None of that. And if you have that as a manager of staff or as a leader, I think it's a pretty good indication that they're building the trust. That stuff's working, yeah. 
Also, I guess if you're really impeccable with your word and you only do right by the customer, then your sales guys should not even onboard anybody where they can't live up to the word. So this is like another reason why you should have very low attrition. That's a very important thing you just said. I, I agree 100%. It's funny you say that. A lot of times when I'm at a trade show or I'm talking to a potential merchant, they're sometimes astonished that I'll tell them that I can't do it. I would rather tell them right away that I can't do it or that I don't know rather than lead anyone on because I found out that that's also the best way to approach it because I'm honoring my word. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not ad-libbing. I'm not embellishing. I'm just keeping it exactly as true as possible in the limited amount of words as I can. Also, messes with your team, wastes your time, etc. You know, you can onboard somebody else and take extra good care of them and keep on have him refer the right people. And they'll last longer and you'll more revenue will become of it. You know, a lot of times folks will maybe they'll try to slide something in and, and get someone onboarded and stretch their commitments as far as their work is concerned. And then, you know, what happens? The customer gets shut down or closed or there's monetary impacts. The folks that tried to get them in, didn't even make any money. They probably lost money in, in the case. And, and then the customer also has a bad rep on everyone in that industry in general from that point forward. And that's why I like to think about it as a, a more holistic approach as, as in the things we do is that it's not necessarily it needs to be best for one thing. It really needs to be best for everybody involved. Yeah, absolutely. At Maxi, my last business, you know, we're a content delivery network and people are always blown away when they come to us and I'm pitching them. And then, for example, an exotic location like Australia comes up where we we're pretty weak at that point. Tell them, okay, dude, if Australia is really a high priority for you, then don't use us or blend us with another CDN. And they always go like, holy cow, really? You're just like pushing me away? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> and this just build, builds a lot of trust in general that you're like, you know, really have their best interest at heart. And it's not just about making a quick buck. And actually, if you, if you build a system like this, then there's this, I don't know where I saw this, some diagram. So first there's the awareness phase, you know, then there's consideration phase, and then the people actually close and buy your product. And few companies pass this. A lot of sales guys don't care anymore. Like once they sign on the line with their money, then, you know, basically whatever, right? Some companies give them support, which is cool. Some companies make sure they treat them really well so they stay. And some companies push a little further and make sure that these customers are so happy and give them tools that they actually refer other customers over. And if you build... A machine like this, then you can, you'll always win over the competition because you can spend more to acquire a customer because they come in, they stay, and they even bring their friends. Absolutely, and and it's organic growth at the end of the day, and I mean that's invaluable for any company, especially marketing and advertising in general. It's a very fast-paced industry, and and it's cutthroat. Being able to attract people because you do a good job and you're an expert at what you do and you really deliver, is something that I think everybody would love to be able to do at the end of the day. In terms of delivering, you had a talking point, never overestimate your ability to deliver. How do you make sure that this is actually the case? That to me really lies in you know another simple principle of preparation. Being an operations person and a very honest person, I don't like telling people I don't know something and I don't like telling people I can't do something. So I definitely want to understand what I'm capable of doing. So the way I look at that is a lot of things. Obviously, from a staffing capacity perspective, how much business can we do? 
for us, it's how many merchants can we service? How many new merchants can we bring on? And how can we continually deliver the same type of experience that we set out to deliver to each and every one of them? And for me, I break that down in a lot of ways. Obviously, each individual has their specific part. Each individual has a capacity to do X amount of tasks within their realm. I know a lot of times it's difficult to get to this part of efficiency for managers and and leaders and operational folks out there, but the devil's in the details. And, And really, if you go down and figure out exactly how long every single task and every single process that your team does obviously making it as as most efficient as you can within the limitations of your resources, at the end of the day, you should be able to tell exactly how many clients you could service, how many clients you can bring on, and what you need to deliver that to the specifications of your experience you would hope to achieve. And I think that that's the most important thing. And I can literally tell how many new clients one single employee can do a month. I know how many employees I need to respond to all the clients we have, all the new clients we project, et cetera. So that being said, if I ran into a big whale and they were promising me more money than I've ever made in my life, but they needed something outside of the resources I had, that's where I mean you have to understand the limits of what you're capable of. And if we look at that at an individual level, it's the same as if you go into the gym and you, you see someone lifting a lot of weight and you want to lift more weight and you go in to try it and you get hurt. The reality is, is that individually, you know your limit, as a company, you know your limit and you make sure it ties into honoring your word again, but you honor who you are and what you're capable of. That doesn't mean don't take risks. That doesn't mean not to be bold. But it means to understand exactly what a client needs and what you're capable of delivering. Because misunderstanding that is, it's really ruining your trust right off the bat. Yeah, we do this by, you know, I have a few outsourcing businesses and we always kind of track how many, like a customer success manager, how many clients can he manage and how many, let's say, researchers or live chat agents can he manage before it breaks. And of course, there's differences. Some Individuals can handle more and some less, but we always have a kind of a ballpark figure figured out over time on what works or healthy metrics like revenue per employee, et cetera. I think it's, it's important to build those out. Absolutely. We'll ask you a how-to question and maybe you can also fill in a little more on, on what GOAT does actually. How can you tell if you have a good payment service provider? So the number one question I would ask if I was a merchant and I want to know if I had a good service payment provider would be, would I recommend my current provider to someone else? That's the first question I would ask. The reason being is that a lot of times people want to just placate and, and be nice and be neutral and be positive. And you know, if they have a contract with someone and nothing's too bad, they're okay, they're busy, they're merchants, etc. But if you had to recommend it to your mother or your father or your sister or your brother or your cousin or your best friend or your wife or etc., you may look at it a little bit more and be like, well, that one time this was questionable or I didn't really like this part of the process and I'm not sure if I'm comfortable recommending them to someone I do really like. And I think that's the number one thing a merchant should do is just ask yourself if you would recommend your current provider to someone else. There's sort of, sort of, there's another exercise you can do that's pretty powerful. 
imagine you sold your company and everybody left from your team and the acquirer messed it up and you can buy it back for pennies on the dollar. And then you buy it back and you have to assemble the team again. And then who would you call? Basically, who would you rehire? And if there are people on team, you know, when you do this mental exercise, if you would not rehire, then this is an indicator like hey, you should probably put them to another position or, or let them go. So I guess like same thing, you know, like would I pick this payment provider again? In this case, any service that you're using, yes or no. And if it's no, then it probably makes sense to go on the hunt again. Absolutely. Or at least look a little bit more into it because it is an integral part of every merchant's business. It really is. It's part of their financial success and it's very important to what they do. So let's say you have, you know, an existing payment provider with like, I don't know, a software that just came with your bank. If you're going on the hunt for a new one, you decide, okay, that's not the right one. What are the things you look out for? Well, for me personally, there's there's a lot of things I would look out for. I'm, I'm obviously an insider, but I come from the service side of things. So there's very specific things I would look for. Number one is I'd write down the things that I don't currently like about my current processor to try to understand exactly what the hangup is and, and what's going on. Because it, it wouldn't help to just call another random processor without really knowing what you don't like, because potentially you're going to find the same thing. The next thing would be is, can your processor scale with where you want to go, right? So a lot of times you may have a current processor. I have a perfect example. Let's say you're a retail store that has a number of products, right? Your current processor, everything's okay. There's no complaints, et cetera. CBD comes out. It becomes a very popular product. Maybe you know somebody in the industry or in the manufacturing side of things, and you're like, hey, I can just add one of these products. I believe in it. I like it, et cetera. I'm going to throw it onto my website and sell it. Well, your current processor may not allow that. They may not be able to do that. And that's why it's really important to know your processor as far as scaling your business because products change business change, models change. I mean, we think about e-commerce a lot and we have reoccurring billing, subscriptions, one-click clicks to order things and tons and tons of things that we're getting signed up for. It's very important that your processor can scale with where you need to take your business and not in a very long roundabout Titanic fashion, but very quickly because your business is on the line. I think there's also ways how you can have like multiple providers hot and then you can like kind of hot switch over to, to another one, right? Absolutely. Redundancy is key. I mean, it's that's another simple principle. I think that's hard to argue with. You would never want all of your eggs in a row. The perfect example is let's say your processor is okay and scales with that, right? But they only have one bank. Okay. So what happens if that bank, even though it is okay with it, changes its rules or changes its outlook or compliance on that particular product. Well, then that's the same end ending as the last example. But if you had multiple banks, then obviously you have a better odds of not having any downtime and being able to continue to run your business and accept payments and earn money the way you intended. No single points of failure. At my last business, MaxIDN, one of our competitors was reliant on another service where they hosted everything. And they changed their terms that no CDN can run on their on their infrastructure, and they had to close shop. And we were able to get the majority of their customers over, which pushed us to profitability. So, fast was a great thing, but for them, like meant losing the business. Absolutely, and I think that's why for us at Goat, why we're such a great option for folks is because we have over twenty one bank and processor relationships. So, I mean, we have a lot of options, and we encourage redundancy. And it's obvious 
because we put our customers first. We're sitting on their side of the fence. I mean, they are everything to us. Do you have any books, tools, resources, or something you can recommend where people can like dig in into this topic even further? Absolutely. I'm an avid reader and there's many books that I really recommend to folks. I think the first and foremost one I think would be helpful to the most of the folks regarding this problem would be Getting Things Done by David Allen. Mm -hmm. I love that book. It's a very technical read. It's not for the faint of heart, but if you could bear down and get through it, you were talking about having crutches or a system in place to write everything down so that you can make sure you don't forget anything. This book really goes into depth of how you can build a personal system for you so that way you can succeed in what you need to do. And he has many things in the book. He talks about not having a system is like letting the brain have random access memory, right? So it's like <laughs> all the stresses, right? Email, the colleague request, the thing you said you would do, you're trying to honor your word. If you have no system to put it and you're 100% not possible remembering all of them, then you're going to be stressed and, and you have no control over it because it's going to randomly pop up in your head, probably when you least need it to, and it's going to be a huge problem. But if you have a system in place, all of a sudden that's gone because you can rest assured everything you need to do to succeed has been taken care of. That's a really good point. I actually had this myself. I started similar to getting things done. This another one called Zen to Done, ZTD, not GTD. So I kind of always have like a little book with you where you can kind of write stuff down. And I always had this issue when I was about to fall asleep, like things pop up, like, oh, tomorrow I got to think of this, I got to do this and that and that. And then I could never fall asleep. But now that I have this notepad, I just kind of write it down, then it's out of my mind. And I know I will get... And you go right to sleep, right? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It's funny that you said this because I'm, I'm working on a course right now that helps people to manage themselves, to be on your personal A-game in the business, be productive create healthy habits and track those. I have a canary in the coal mine for my productivity, which is inbox zero. If I'm not getting to inbox zero for a week in a row, then I know something's off and I have to kind of take a step back and like I have too much on my plate and have to re-evaluate. I like that. I like how you're reflecting on a weekly basis too, because I mean, you know, if you're not checking in, it could go south quickly. <laughs> <Right? Yeah>. <laughs> no, <laughs> very cool. Aaron, thank you very much for sharing this. Where can people find you? You can find me at us at goatpayments.com. You can email me at Aaron at goatpayments.com. That's A-A-R-O-N. And we'd love to help you. And, and look, even if you just have questions, feel free to reach out. Our job really here is to make this industry the best we can. If you could maybe give a pitch to people, how does your ideal client look? Who can you serve best? We really like to serve businesses that really intend to grow and give it their all. There is no client we can't serve. We have, like I said, over 21 bank and processor relationships. There's no vertical we can't do. There's no product that's legal that we can't do. So, you know, if it's legal in the United States, we could do it. It's really or not whether or not they're ready to partner with the GOAT. <laughs> with the greatest of all time. Yes, sir. Awesome. <laughs> Aaron, thank you very much. It was a real pleasure. For those of you, please go to iTunes and rate the podcast. This helps us tremendously to get more exposure and to spread the word about cool solutions. Absolutely. And I'd, I'd love to hear reviews of anyone and, and what kind of feedback they have. And anybody that has additional hacks or tips, I'm all ears because we believe here at Go that nobody has a monopoly on great ideas. So <laughs> we're all ears. Aaron, thank you very much for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Pleasure. 
Is your sales team spending too much time researching leads and accounts? We take over all the labor-intensive sales development tasks so your team can focus on building relationships and closing more deals. We don't just build lists. We take a strategic research-based approach to find your team qualified leads every day. Ready to start? Schedule your free consultation at taskdrive.com. That's T-A-S-K-D-R-I-V-E.com. Thanks for listening to the How We Solve podcast. Dominate your market and crush the competition with our step-by-step playbooks. Subscribe right now in your favorite podcast player or visit howwesolve.com.